don't know how many other people are like held hostage by their like pets routine and schedule and things like that, but I frequently feel that I am held hostage by like the whims and needs of my cat. Like not in a bad way, just like I'm like, oh, I have to do this or she'll just be monstrous. How so? Well, the big thing about her, so no one's, you know, you've met, you've met Zephy, but other people are not familiar. So my cat is really, really vocal. Um, like we took her to the vet and the vet, the first thing the vet always says um, is, oh my gosh, she loves to talk. Um, she just like constantly <laughs> meows. You can have like these like meowing conversations with her like back and forth. She just like loves to chat. Unfortunately, and like during the day, this is like fine. In the middle of the night, however, this meow turns piercing, piercingly loud. <laughs> And I usually sleep through it, but Alex, my wife, always wakes up. She's a very light sleeper. And she owned Sefi first. She got her when she was teaching abroad in Korea. So Sefi... Sefi, a very well-traveled cat, by the way. Yes, she's lived on three continents. She likes to... She likes to bug my wife for, for attention in the middle of the night, but... Unlike, like, a normal cat who, like, might bug you for food and stuff, Steffi wants to, like, bug you for no reason. Sometimes she, there's, like, food there, she eats it, and then she just wants to, like, yowl at you for, like, no reason at all, um, except just she to be a to dick. She tell you how wonderful her meal was. Well, sometimes that does happen. That is something that she does. But sometimes, like, she'll just she's she's doing this thing now where she likes to like meow th at the door like in the doorway so she's not like within reach and then my wife will get up and then chase her and then Sefi will be like ooh now we're playing and and like run oh, through no. the house but the the big thing that we've discovered or like Alex has discovered is that at around 9:30 p.m. we must wake up our cat and keep her awake like a, a cranky toddler who has sleep issues and just like bug her until midnight or around thereof where we go to bed and we feed her. Because if we don't do this, she'll not sleep directly after she eats and will therefore torture us throughout the night. I see. And has this approach worked? Well, it worked last night. I've been like taking care of her for a few days just by myself and she is... She's been, like, fine, and I haven't really gone by this, like, 9.30 policy because I've been, like, well, I go to bed pretty, like, I go to bed really late. Like, I'm just, like, left up to my own devices. And so I was, like, whatever, it's fine. And and I don't really wake up in the middle of the night, but she did wake me up the other day in at, like, 5 a.m. with, like, yowling throughout the house for, like, no apparent reason. She had food. She felt fine. She Her litter box was clean. She had no issues. She's singing the song of her people. You know, and then Alex was like, you must keep her up until 9.30. And I was like, we'll keep her up after 9.30. And I was like, okay, okay. So last night I woke her up at 9.30 and then like bugged her and poked her until like 11.30, <laughs> which like <laughs> for like an hour, this was fine. She was awake. And then after an hour, she was like, fuck you. I want to sleep. Yeah, so now listeners know that should a piercing meow interrupt the recording, that's Sefi. She'll make herself known, don't worry. Welcome to Romcomathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And this month we are here to talk about what men want, a recent remake of What Women Want, the horrendous movie that with Mel Gibson that we watched for the blog a long time ago. 
Yes, but bear in mind, it's been almost 20 years, like, between these two movies, so this was somewhat better. Yeah, I actually didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I was going to hate it based on its predecessor, and I think, like, what I had heard about it through reviews. Yes, I think I more or less enjoyed myself. Like, I think Matt was kind of disappointed that it wasn't a super bad movie, because I think in some ways he gets more enjoyment from that. But I was like, this was like a fine rom-com. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Like, it was... Fine is accurate. It wasn't great. Yes, it was adequate. I was like, I wouldn't rewatch this, but also I, like, didn't hate this experience as much as I thought I would hate this experience. Yes, it wasn't, like, so often when we watch stuff and it's like, where have the last two hours of my life gone? Yeah, I, it didn't feel as interminable. Although, you know what was interesting? I reread our blog post about the 2000 horrible Mel Gibson film, and that one too, we were like, our expectations were so low that this movie somehow exceeded it just slightly. There you go. Maybe we just should have like rock bottom expectations for every (laughs) film we watch. Well, I mean, that was to be expected for a movie starring Mel Gibson being able to hear women's thoughts. Yeah, that's true. So shall I summarize this beautiful Please. film? All right. So Taraji P. Henson is a like manic, ambitious sports agent. She's just a woman <laughs> in a man's world, guys. Like Katherine Heigl, but not super depressing. Yeah, she's like, she's like together. Like she has this beautiful apartment. She has many fabulous outfits. Um, She's very, looking very fine, basically. She seems to be doing really well, very happy with her life, except she may or may not be a total jerk. Yeah, essentially. She is the only female sports agent at her like whole company of sports agents. Um, At least it would appear. Yes, that's what it seems like. And she's doing great by all standards, except she's not a partner, Um, even though she represents like every Olympic athlete, it seems. (laughs) (laughs) But only women. (laughs) Yes. She can't sign men. So, you know, they don't care about her work. (laughs) Yes. So at the beginning of the film, she's like, oh, my God, today's the day I'm going to be made partner. And you guessed it. She's not made partner. Um, She's passed over for a man. And the reason is the her boss tells her is that she just doesn't connect with men. They, they tell us this. She she is, like, kind of intense, but I was like, this seems abrasive to all people, not just men. Anyway, so she decides that she is definitely gonna get partner, um, and she declares to the whole company that she's going to sign Jamal Berry, who is this young uh, college basketball star who's rumored to be the NBA's first draft pick that year. By the way... She shouts this ambition over the lobby, and Matt and I were like, there are clients down there. Like, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, her behavior is not great. <laughs> anyway, so she, she like, decides this and, like, you know, like, swans off. So that night, she attends her friend's bachelorette party, which... I don't know, like, didn't seem so much like a bachelor party is just like four women like chilling, hanging out together. But that I, I at first I was like, is, is so this like a-, a good bachelorette party is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I was like, is this a party? But then they do go out to the club. So, you know. Y- yes, at first, it's like, four ladies chilling on a patio or something. And then someone calls in a psychic, but then but then they go to the club. Yeah. So yes, what exactly happens is that her, one of her friends is like, I've gotten a psychic to come. 
fun that that does seem like a fun bachelor party activity and taraji p hansen is like ugh, fine and the psychic is crazy naturally as one is in these sorts of films played by erica badu Mm, but then the psychic tells her that um she doesn't understand what men want like can't talk to men or something like that and then is like, I can help you get ahead of work. And is basically like, drink this tea. And Taraji P. Henson inexplicably drinks this tea. And like, is like, tripping her head off. Um, and then like, thinks nothing of it. And they all go to the club. At the club, they're having a great time. Taraji P. Henson is like, yes, this is great. And then she bumps her head and ends up in the hospital. And when she wakes up, she realizes she can hear the thoughts of men. But only men. Yes, not not women, only men. Um, so she hears about her doctor's coke addiction um, and everything. Of course, she is at first troubled, perturbed, one would say, <laughs> by this by her sudden yeah. psychotic break. Yep, but quickly is like, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to utilize this to my advantage um, to get ahead at work. I just realized I completely forgot to introduce the romance aspect of this rom-com. Yes. The other thing with the psychic being like, you don't understand men, is we've kind of seen this in another context when she has a truly horrifying seeming one night stand. Yeah, so she's at a bar um, previous to her hearing men's thoughts and she meets Aldous Hodge, who's the bartender or like maybe he's not the owner, right? He's just like manager. Yeah, I think he's just a bartender. Okay. Because later her dad is making... Yeah, making some cracks. About his yeah. Job. So he, um, so she ends up hooking up with this guy. She's like super aggressive. They have what seems like the most uncomfortable sex ever for him. Horrifying. Yes, for her it seems appears satisfying. I guess. Uh, and then she leaves the next morning after discovering, like you know, like that she's late for work, but also realizing that he has a young son, and there are pictures of him and his bride, um, throughout the house. But this is not before she accidentally leaves her license there. Of course, this will come back to haunt her later. So anyway, now she hears Guy's thoughts. And she... As you do. Yep. And she goes and meets uh, Jamal Berry, the 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 NBA draft pick, um, and also learns that he is managed by his weird, weird father. Because when has Tracy Morgan played a normal person who... Uh, needs to be wooed and won over before she could possibly even think about signing, um, signing him. So she's utilizing all these thoughts to her advantage. She's like basically trying to get ahead with Tracy Morgan. Um, and one of the things she discovers is that Tracy Morgan like doesn't trust her because she's like not a married woman. Um, and like it doesn't really understand because he's like really into family. Like she doesn't understand it because she has no family. Who shows up at her? office yeah at at that exact moment yep um bringing her her driver's license is you guessed it aldous hodge and his small child and tragedy hansen is like this is my husband and essentially paints a house of lies for tracy morgan who appears to buy this so you know shenanigans ensue naturally this house of lie collapses on her um at some point down the line although at this point she has discovered that you know maybe she's like not as attentive as a date or a one-night stand as she could have been she also discovers you know, just like, like maybe she should respect men more, I guess. Like it's kind of, I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this messaging, whatever, who cares? Um, oh, but she's like, she's like nicer to assistant, like, you know, things like that. I don't know about all men, but you know. Yeah. 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 People. Yeah. 
She even, like, gets her assistant together with Pete Davidson, who's, like, been, like, crushing on her assistant at the office. So, like, you know, things are, like, going well or whatever. Um, except, of course, it blows up in her face when Aldous Hodge realizes that she's been lying about her family situation. Um, and then he's like, you're the worst, and, like, leaves her. So Taraji P. Henson is at a low point. She also gets ditched by all her friends because she kind of has, like... Not a breakdown per se, but like kind of a breakdown at her friend's wedding um, because she can hear that her friend's fiance is like rampantly cheating on her. Uh, so she like makes the snow in the middle of church. Could have picked a better time, but who's to say? Um, and because of this like kerfuffle, like loses the uh, loses the <laughs> the friendship. Kerfuffle is a is a good gentle word for what happens. Yeah, loses the loses the friendship of her pals. She's also not a good friend. Like, early on, there's a lot of... The reason we say, like, oh, she's kind of a jerk to all people is her friends are like, oh, she's never here. She's always flaking. Apparently, all she does is work in the sports agency. Yes. She essentially ends up being like, ugh, I just have to, like, live with this situation, but then ends up, like, hitting her head again at the church, actually, um, and ends up in the hospital. And when she wakes up, she's like, oh, I am no longer afflicted afflicted by whatever I had. When she gets back to work, the agency is in an uproar because Jamal Berry and Tracy Morgan have now been poached by one of their agents who has like gone off to start his like own company kind of, or just like basically has like poached this kid. She's like, oh no. But then she like thinks back to like what she heard from like Jamal Berry's inner thoughts and realizes she can find him playing like a pickup game at his local park. So she goes, she talks to him. She realizes what he actually wants is not to be you know signed over to China like his agents taking him to do and that he actually does want to play for the NBA and so she's like I can make that happen and essentially signs him on and at the end of the film she is of course made partner but she is like fuck you guys I'm actually going off and starting my own sports agency company with Max Greenfield my former rival uh, but now pal and I'm a better person now, and I'm taking me and him and my assistant. And that's kind of the end of the film. Oh, and she obviously apologized to Aldous Hodge and they get back together. She makes up with her friends. And the reason, I'm sorry, I just spent like 12 minutes talking about her like career woes because this movie is mostly about Taraji P. Hansen's career. It's like, like I was like, I would say this movie is like 70% about her job and like 30% about her love life. Yes, when the movie started, I was almost like, wait, is this not a rom-com? But then we met this incredibly beautiful man at the bar, and I was like, oh, got it, I'm, I'm back on track. He's really more an accessory to her shenanigans. I would say it's, like, less of a driving force in the movie than it is in the original. Yeah, because in the original, Helen Hunt works at the place, and he screws her over, and that's, like, the whole thing, right? <laughs> I just remember him, like, losing it, being like, I hear women's thoughts. You talked about him being widowed, right? Oh, I did mention that he was married and had pictures of like these pictures. Yeah, but she finds out basically that his wife died. As soon as we saw that wedding picture, we were like, widowed, widowed, probably widowed. And then indeed, three scenes later, we were like, oh, you're widowed. He looks incredible, by the way. I couldn't remember his name for the entire movie, but I was like, this man is attractive. <laughs> Yeah, he's very attractive. I actually had, just like before I watched the movie, watched the pilot of Leverage. Oh. And and I was like, oh, it's this dude. Oh, that's cute. I've always meant to watch that because, you know, heist life, but 
I guess this was less sexist than the original movie. Both movies were like made an effort, I guess, to not be as sexist as their premise. Yes. Like when you hear about this premise, you would naturally be like, wow, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Both in 2000 and 2019. But it was like, okay. I wish there had been, I don't know, like fewer cracks about men wearing women's underwear. Because they were like at least two. And I was like, I, I don't know why. Oh, yeah. But there wasn't anything egregiously terrible. It was funny because one of the things that most surprised us was that the first movie shockingly did not get transphobic. Nor did that happen here. Although, you know what? The first movie had a little more Mel Gibson, like, acting like a woman or becoming a woman. Because he was trying to really get into the female mindset beforehand. And Taraji P. Henson, understandably, does not try to get into a man's mindset. No, I think they realized that that wasn't really necessary. Um, Also, there was like the, in like this one, at least, there's like the added layer of her being on the receiving end of like racist, sexist stuff already playing in the man's world. So I think, you know, like, like that was a little more nuanced or like another layer that they kind of had to navigate that they didn't have to, obviously, in the Mel Gibson one. I guess I overall enjoyed this movie. I think that we... And it was a weird sentence to say. You're like, I didn't have, like, this was okay. Yes, in particular, we're always on this quest for better movies with people of color in them. And I think this qualifies. Not an incredible film, let's be clear. But, no, but I wouldn't like be like, oh, you know what? You should definitely see what men want. <laughs> um, but if I saw this on an airplane, I wouldn't necessarily change the channel. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this was not, this was not the, the, the terrible quality that I really expected going in. She was very funny. Yes, she looked great. I enjoyed her. All of, I I read like the Wikipedia reception section and it was all like, this movie's okay, but Taraji is great. Yeah, no, she was actually, I found her comedic acting really well done. Um, Particularly, I think I was thinking that during like the horrendous sex scene she has with Aldous Hodge. And I was like, oh, like I'm cringing, but yeah, this is actually pretty funny. Yes, although I did have the thought that a black man saying I can't breathe has not aged well. Oh, yes, that's a good point. It was not good. But also, I had a moment after they had the good sex, like later when she was using his, when she was using her mind reading powers for good, that as soon as they finished, I was like, why do they both look scared? And then I was like, oh, fair enough. She read his mind. That would be scary if I were him. (laughs) He was like, it was like you knew my thoughts. She did know your thoughts, girl. I know. And here's the thing is that I don't think this movie, this movie didn't address, but I don't remember if the Mel Gibson one addressed this, but I was like, I know she's like, you know, this is just happening to her. Like, she's not like willingly listening to people's thoughts, but like, so intrusive. What an intrusive thing to happen. (laughs) Yes. And also, once she can read people's thoughts, she's really not hiding it. Oh, no. And she's like, I'm going to use this for the like form to my own advantage. So it's not like she's like, oh, no, let me make myself a tinfoil helmet. But like once she adjusts to it, it's literally like she'll hear like say you are having the thought like I love pecan pie. Like she'll just suddenly burst out audibly. Hey, would you like some pecan pie? Or like I also love pecan pie. And you're like, it's really apparent that you are fully reading people's minds. I can't believe no one is like, which? <laughs> Just saying. I 
mean, I don't think people like go around, you know, like being like, wow, she's probably reading my mind. I think let's burn her at the stake. Like, I mean, maybe if they saw this movie, they'd change their tune. (laughs) Maybe if she was like doing a production of The Crucible. (laughs) It would be top of mind for all her castmates. And then it could take a really like life imitates art kind of turn. (laughs) This is a dark alternate film that you've proposed. (laughs) I'm sorry. I would just like to comment before I get into the things that entertained me during this movie. Josh Brenner is a good assistant. Oh, is that his name? Yes. I have a Wikipedia page of the cast list open right in front of me or I wouldn't know. She has this like kind of, I don't know, like small, small, small little gay assistant. Yes, that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Who really wants to be a sports agent himself. And she is basically at the beginning of the movie, she's like, hell no, I'm never promoting you to an actual agent. Um, Like actual agents basically like have more balls than you. Which is mean. Yeah. It's it's not so, it's not so nice. And he, but he's a great assistant. And then the turnaround is by the end of the film, she does promote him to an, an actual agent at her new company. I was like, I feel like this guy just like walks in and is like, yes, I am the type to be cast as the assistant. <laughs> I think he's from Silicon Valley. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, he was funny. And as an assistant, he was like fully sustaining all her friendships and relationships on her behalf. Yeah, which was impressive. Not to mention his apparent sports knowledge, which I could not verify. He also accompanies her to her friend's wedding. And I was like, is is he on the clock? Like, oh yeah. Matt was like, why did she bring her? And I was like, I think he's her date. Like, I think he's her only friend. So she brought him to this wedding and then they have the whole like are you my friend or my assistant fight you know um and she's mean and tells him he's not her friend and then you know he goes off all butthurt which is like both fair and i mean you are her assistant but still it's rude i know i feel at that point where he was like kind of like when he was like you know seeing pete davidson like pete davidson should have been like hey man like she's kind of taking advantage of you you shouldn't be on the clock for this activity yes like you should really leave but i think he does it out of a sense of loyalty like i really do feel like maybe he's her only real friend because she ignores all her actual friends well she's a terrible friend and a terrible boss It's tough. She seems to be an okay daughter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But he is, the assistant is the only person who like knows kind of about her mind reading stuff. Yes, he's her main like confidant. Um, Although I totally liked that scene where he comes in and he's like, peach pie, peach pie, peach pie, peach pie. Because I guess if you knew about this, you too would be trying to block out her power. Like mask your inner thoughts. Yeah. I also at this point was like, oh, this is like the second time in a movie I've seen that Pete Davidson has like played an inexplicably like gay man or like just like a non-stereotypical gay man. Um, Because he also (laughs) plays this role in Set It Up, except he's like- Oh, does he? Yes. He's like, like marginally less, I don't know, pervy, weird- Matt totally called the Pete Davidson and the assistant thing. I did not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as he, like, started, like, I think, like, as soon as we meet him and he's, like, hitting on them, I was like, oh, I I think it's probably that he's hitting on the assistant. To be clear, he's not hitting on them. She's hearing his lewd thoughts. Yes, that's true. He's friendly to them in the office as a person would be, but would keep their inappropriately lewd thoughts to themselves. (laughs) (laughs) But she thinks that it's about her, but yeah. Here are some running threads that entertained us during this film. The first one was, it took us a while to confirm that it was Atlanta. For like several scenes at the beginning, we were just like, 
trying desperately to glimpse a license plate. I had the same issue, actually. When the movie started, I was, like, kind of doing something else. Like, I was kind of doing, like, other stuff while I watched. But at the beginning, I was like, where is this? Like, there's a scene of her, like, there's, like, a B-roll shot of her, like, driving to work. And I was like, this kind of actually looks like downtown LA. Is she in LA? But for some reason in my head, I already had it that maybe it was Atlanta. So I was like, am I, is she in Atlanta? Why do I think it might be Atlanta? Like... Same, like it was warm weather and I was kind of like, is she in LA? But I feel like I would have a more immediate recognition if it were LA. I mean, it's me, so maybe not, but in theory. And then for ages and ages, we were just like, catch the back of the car, catch the back of the car. And they're like, damn it, the car's leaving. Atlanta makes sense because so many things shoot there. And I had the same thought, like maybe Atlanta, because I was the only other warm weather city I could think of where they often set things. You used a lot of logic and I was like, did I hear something at the beginning of film? Am I just being a weirdo? But then we go to that like arena or whatever and it says Atlanta. So you're like, oh, okay, good, good, it's Atlanta. <laughs> and then there were two other threads, which is Matt for the whole first stretch was really fixated on figuring out how the magic was going to happen. He was like, magical drink, magical weed, head injury, head injury, head injury. Is she going to have something else at the club? And then we were like, ah, head injury. And magic tea. Yes, but it's unclear, like, is it a combination? I don't know, because later, so like after she like wakes up with her new ability, she goes and finds the same psychic. And the psychic is like, I drank the rest of the tea and like, you know, it's just like laced with whatever, like some sort of substance. And like, you know, but it didn't do anything to me. So it's like, kind of, you know, but it's kind of unclear. But of course, like, you know, this movie is about a woman who wakes up being able to hear men's thoughts. So it's not really grounded in reality, really. I think in the first one, he gets electrocuted. Oh, yeah, this is better. But maybe there's also a head injury. Like, I don't know. Well, it's not great that she sustains two head injuries so close to one another. <laughs> yeah, you're like, she doesn't seem to be having any ill effects from what is surely a concussion. <laughs> she like smacks her head pretty, pretty hard. So my other thing was that the reason I was kind of confused about Aldous Hodge's occupation, um, like he's clearly a bartender at like a fancy kind of ish like restaurants, not like a club or anything like that. But when they first like are hooking up, they go over to his house and I was like, this is a really big house for a bartender. Oh, maybe his wife had money. Yeah, I was just like, that's why I was like, is he a bartender? Or maybe does they he just have money. Yeah, like does he just, or like, you know, like, or does he own this restaurant? But then later in the movie, like it's revealed that he's like working towards owning his own restaurant or bar. Okay, I was just about to say that. And then I was like, did I make this up? No, because her father keeps being like, yeah, you're gonna just gonna date a gin jockey. And she's like, Dad, what era are you living in? And I'm like, I have to say, gin jockey is a wonderful phrase. And I'm just gonna call everyone that from now like, on. Like, co-opt it. You're, it's like, you're gonna meet like some person. They're gonna be like, yeah, I like I bartended. You're gonna be like, ah, a gin jockey. You old gin jockey, you. Maybe I won't even use it specifically for bartenders. Maybe it'll just become something I call people. Well, that would be noticeable, I guess, if you're trying to get me remembered. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I'm like in this post-COVID socialization world. How can I be really memorable? Because what if people still can't see my face, you know? No, that's true. I mean, I did read something where they were like, it's a great time to reinvent yourself. 
Oh, God. I do have to say about his bartending that that first scene when they meet and the drink that he makes her, I want to drink that cardamom rose drink. Oh, yeah. It looked really fancy. Yes. I was like, where can I get this cocktail? Can I make this cocktail? I need to know. It did remind me of the cardamom rose lassie that we had in London that we really, we both really liked. Same thought. I did try to recreate that lossy uh, like a while ago, and it's hard, man. Was it good but inferior? Yes, but I also wonder, you know, like like the quality of the ingredients that they're using are obviously going to be superior to what I have access to. But also, I like a subtle, very light hand with cardamom. It's so strong. And they did a really good job. Oh, do you have trouble finding the balance? Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. going to drink so many cardamom rose lossies that, you know, to kind of like, figure this out. <laughs> what you should have done is lined up like little shot glasses of the lossy base and then like modified each of them. That's true, but I was blend. I blended it all together. Oh, I see. But I just meant like if you were just trying to get the cardamom amount right. Yeah, maybe. Food for thought if anyone wants to make a literal rose lossy tasting flight. I-, I must address my third obsession. So she could hear men's thoughts, but she could not, as far as I know, hear the little boy's thoughts, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. And I think Mel Gibson could hear his daughter's thoughts, but his daughter was like a teenager, if I recall. So do you think it's like when they hit puberty, she can like hit hear their thoughts or like... Maybe. Is it maybe like an age situation? Possible. A little creepy, to put it that way, but, but possible. But okay, the little boy, maybe my favorite character, he was so cute and what happened was so she takes him and aldous hodge to this hawks game to impress tracy morgan and by the way when she did this i was like you should probably clue them in yeah like i don't know how you plan to pull this off without telling him what you're doing i mean like personally for me i don't know if i would have taken like that great offense at that point yeah, like, hey man, weird favor. But to be fair, he already kind of thought she was crazy, so maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't necessarily know that at that point. Like, she, well, she does because she can hear his thoughts. But like, you know, if she couldn't, like, she wouldn't have necessarily known that. She could have said like, hey, you know, you could totally come to this game absolutely for free. Um, I'd be happy to take you out to dinner, you know, whatever, uh, to make up for this. But like, could you just do this for me? And I'm not sure I would have like any objections to that. I would be like, all right sure like i'm getting some good shit out of this you're clearly loaded by the way weird coincidence like this guy i work with thought this and now i don't know how to get out of it could we just you know but of course this would require her to be a reasonable person who thinks ahead about the consequences of her actions fair um but also the thing is that like you and i both feel this way having seen you know hundreds of romantic comedies but i feel like in romantic comedies people have have seen nary a movie and are always deeply offended by the idea that anyone might want them to put on any kind of pretense ever yeah that's true like people are like always really offended they're like how dare you try to you know build this house of lies and i'm like wow i don't know all these love interests have so strong moral compasses (laughs) i know it's like it really offends my personhood that you want me to pretend to be your date it's like calm down get off your high horse like chill man if you never lied in your life fake dating is a wonderful trope you should be so lucky as to be a part of it it's also like how i like you know i've heard like in every horror film like they have never ever seen a horror film indeed i mean that could happen to me if i were in a horror film yeah but you've like seen nary a horror film nary a film really okay but 
at this game, I think, or maybe it's later, but I think it's at this game, she's talking to the little boy and she promises him a sports car cake. And I became obsessed with this sports car cake. And I was like, boy, I really hope this kid gets this sports car cake. And then you knew that was going to pan out. Come on. But I don't, I didn't trust her because she was such a jerk. So every two or three scenes, I was like, sports car cake, sports car cake. And then after they had the falling out, I was like, oh my God, what about his sports car cake? But, and <laughs> I'm, <laughs> it's very upsetting, but I'm so glad that he got his sports car cake, but it was kind of disappointing because I thought the whole cake was going to be shaped like a sports car. Yes, me too. I didn't realize when she showed up at his like birthday party with a cake, I was like, oh, so you picked a bakery where they just put a car on top of the cake instead of a whole cake as a car. And I got to say, a car, not a hard shape to make a cake. I don't know. I, I, I've done very little cake shaping in my life. <laughs> I just mean like if I, I think it's relatively flat and then you just like, you know, cut out a piece and say, whatever. So this is just my conjecture. It's like if you were a child and you asked for a race car bed and instead they got you race car sheets. That's fair. Or they got you a bed and bought a race car and put it on top. That's fair. But to be fair, this child might have been like, I don't know if this crazy lady is coming back into my life. <laughs> he was just like, I was just hedging some bets. <laughs> Although, you know what? I'm now reminded that maybe they don't have tons of money because he's like, oh, dad's really busy. Like, we probably won't do much. But it has nothing to do with money, remember? at that, Like, the kid, like, says this, but just is kind of like, it's you kind of get the impression that it's because Aldous Hodge is a single dad and he's working, that he just doesn't have, like, the time, really, to do stuff rather than the funds. That's fair. That's fair. It's also possible that Atlanta real estate is... Not so bad, depending on the neighborhood. I have no idea. It seems like it would be pricey. Like, it just seems like a city where lots of people want to live, so. I've never been. It seems very pleasant from the films I've watched. Yes. I, I don't know why I said that, because I also have never been. I was going to be like, when did you go to Atlanta? I feel certain that I would have forced you to bring me back a souvenir from the Coca-Cola factory. Oh, is that where that is? Yes, and you can take tours and try all their different varieties of Coke. I deeply want to visit. Does it smell like Coca-Cola? Like how Hershey smells like chocolate? How would I possibly know that? When this movie came out, I remember being like, oh, maybe I'm interested in seeing this. But then like the reviews came out and they were like, this movie is not great. And I was like, all right, I guess I won't see this. Um, but now I am like, this is a great movie to not see in theaters and not pay for. But you know what? Like people drag 90% of rom-coms. That's true. So there's no way for us to know whether we'll like a movie based on reviews. Like, Miss Congeniality has like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. But I, I have to say with rom-coms, it's really like a toss-up as to whether or not it's going to be like enjoyable at all. Yes, there's also like a relative component, which is that we have unfortunately seen so many truly unbearable black rom-coms in our quest for rom-coms that have people of color in them. I would also like to make an addendum to that statement, which is that there are so few black rom-coms. So when we say like we've seen- Yes, a, when I say so many. It's like we've seen like five. <laughs> like they're, you know, and they're like all from like the mid-aughts. 
But the other thing I was going to say is that I feel like maybe, you know, some of the more like beloved black rom-coms, because we've seen like maybe one that's like beloved um, and we didn't, we didn't love it. It's probably like, I feel like a large chunk of it is also that we're not black. Like, I feel like there's like a nuance to the film or to the culture that, and, and the era that we just like went like straight over our heads. Yes. We're also no longer living in the mid 2000s. Like in the mid 2000s, we might've found these movies funny. But the other thing I was going to say is that if you are black, or really, I mean, even us, like, we really wanted to like these movies. Yeah. You know, like, there's just a scarcity component where you're like, oh, anything with an underrepresented lead, you're like, oh, I'm psyched to watch this movie. And then you're just like, boy, I wish it had been a good one. And when people, when so many people recommended Big Eden to us. Oh, yeah. God, that movie was a drag. <laughs> that was tough. It was tough. Also, we were like, rom-com? Really? It's also like sometimes when we watch really bad movies and I'm like kind of glad there were no people of color in this. People of color don't deserve this. If you have any rom-coms that you find watchable that do not star straight white people, we would love to view them. Unfortunately, I feel like we've like heard of most of them at this point. Um, Speaking of cultural things that we may or may not get, the psychic kept singing songs. And I was like, I wish I knew any of these songs. Oh, yeah. I suspect that th- that's this is a joke that doesn't play with me because I know no music. Yep, same. I also found the psychic thing a little bit less offensive because they were both black. Oh, yeah. I was kind of like, is this a good I was song? like, the hirer is white, so that's not good. But then the takers are all black, so I don't know. Yeah, I was like, is this the thing? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I will say, though, this there was so much talk about Coke and Coke use, like, at the <laughs> bachelorette party that when they got to the club and we first have a shot of them, like, drinking or whatever, like, sitting, like, on a couch, and, like, Phoebe Robinson like one of the bridesmaids and friends is like leaning over something in her lap i was like is she snorting coke like in the (laughs) middle of this club but no she was just blowing up an inflatable penis and then they were like taking pictures with the penis and i was like this is a like social media nightmare waiting to happen yeah 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 you are all professionals i don't know why you'd take pictures of this event presumably i mean you're all wasted so presumably this is going on all your instagrams Exactly. I was like, maybe I'm excessively paranoid about what people put on the internet, but I just, you know. So you're saying you do not want to pose with a giant inflatable penis? <laughs> no, but, I, you know, maybe that's just about who I am. You know, other people may feel differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many things that I don't want to post with and hardly anything that I want to put on my Instagram. So, so what are your bests and worsts? One of the first things that brought me some measure of joy was when she first meets Aldous Hodge and he was like would you go to the symphony and hop on stage and like tell the conductor what to do and like first of all I was like I'm not into you and your drink dictation life but to be fair maybe she did ask for I don't know but I liked that her response was like probably but go ahead and I was like self-aware she knows who she is I think there's also a part later where he's like can you share and and we're all like yeah probably not (laughs) it's like you haven't seen the rest of the movie I've already mentioned that I love the little boy I love that he greeted her welcome to Wakanda oh that was cute and yes and he was like and I'm sorry for wearing your underwear on my head I liked her stuff with her dad Richard Roundtree I found it kind of touching when he was being like 
Oh, I just thought this note literally says, aw, dad worrying that he gave her trust issues. Sports car cake, please. <laughs> you were really fixated. I was I was truly very concerned about the sports car cake. And then later when she has that scene with Jamal, I was like, I mean, Tracy is obviously insane as usual, but I do understand his son feeling beholden to the dad who pushed him so hard and made him a success. But I liked when she was being like, my dad wanted a boy and being good at the basketball thing. Like, I feel like that's so cliche, but it kind of got me. And I liked the credit scenes. They were kind of funny. There were credit scenes? Oh, yeah. They were, like, almost better than the movie. Oh, well, I totally missed these. What were they? <laughs> oh, I, it was just sort of random stuff, like, more with the psychic, like, random people popping oh, in. They okay, obviously okay. weren't good enough for me to remember them, but uh, they happened. Wow, I was totally like, <laughs> movie's over, I'm out. <laughs> Um, I have some smaller things, but what were your best scenes? So I enjoyed, um, well, I would say like best and worst. I enjoyed her like first hookup with Aldous Hodge, um, cause I found it humorous, but also like I was like dying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Especially yeah. the sex, uh, as we've mentioned, very painful, like literally painful. Yeah. I enjoyed Tracy Morgan's appearance primarily because is this just Tracy Morgan? Like, I could never figure this out the whole time 30 Rock was airing. I was like, is this just how Tracy Morgan is as a person? Like, because he kind of was the same on in this film. And I was like, is this just Tracy Morgan's personality? I truly don't know. But he, like, in this, he was a very watered down version of Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock. Yes, we kept calling him that by mistake and forgetting his real name. <laughs> Speaking of real versus imaginary, by the way, like at first I was like, which of these athletes are real? Are these athletes names that they're li that she's listing real? I have no way of verifying this unless I Google. But then it became clear because you're like, oh, that's a real athlete because it's a bad actor. I do not know. I, I know I sounded like I knew I was talking about when I was like number one NBA draft pick, but truly, <laughs> I didn't know this was a big deal. I didn't know this was a thing that we get excited about. I don't know. I know enough to understand the phrase NBA draft pick, yes, but that I extrapolated from context. <laughs> <laughs> but my thing is, my immediate thought when we f saw Jamal next to, like, a real basketball player making a cameo was, like, is he tall enough to be in the NBA? Is there a height limit? No, no, no. I, I, I just feel like they're all huge. But then I Googled, and I was like, there, apparently there are players under six foot in the league. And this actor's, like, six feet-ish. So I was like, okay. You could have you could have just lied and told me there is actually like a height requirement. You have to be above like, I don't know, 5'10", 5'11", whatever to like be like considered for the NBA. And I would have been like, yes, that sounds right. No, it just seems like height is a real advantage in basketball. I'm just getting this from, you know, seeing people out in the world. But I don't know. Anyway, so. Height is but a yeah, real advantage point, in basketball. It's <laughs> like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I have observed and heard in the air. I'm so, sorry, did you come to this planet on a spaceship recently? <laughs> yes. It's very offensive that you would ask that when you obviously know that's the case. But at one point, we see Jamal next to his hero who plays on the actual Hawks. And I was like, you are much shorter than this man. During part of the film, I was like, are the Hawks a real team? Yes. I, I was like, the Hawks? And then I Googled. 
He had a shirt too that said Tech, and I was like, probably Georgia Tech, right? Right? Yeah, I mean, that's... there's other Techs, but that's the most likely one. Look, I've heard of many football teams and many baseball teams, but I have heard of shockingly few basketball teams. So truly, it could have been like the Adva- the Atlanta, I don't know, like Doves, the Owls. I don't know. I would have been like, yeah, it sounds right. Heard of many football teams really feels like a stretch for us as well. Well, there aren't that many football teams, okay? I must have heard them at some point. Are there more basketball teams? I don't know. Why would you ask me this question? With the exception of baseball, I don't think there's any sport where I feel confident that I know most of the team names. I feel like if you listed football team names, I would be like, yes, I've heard of that through culture of osmosis. But basketball is a very watched sport. But like, it's not like we have like a whole day around basketball, you know, like we have the Super Bowl. Yes, I guess that's fair. I mean, the finals, there's March Madness. Isn't that college college basketball? Yeah. So I I can see maybe the information's more dispersed. Anyway, look, there were a lot of famous people playing themselves in this movie. They were all bad. Uh, Mostly sports people. Shaq was there. Mark Cuban was there. He's not an athlete as far as I know, so I don't know what he was doing there. I don't know who that is, really. (laughs) But what happened was near the end of the movie, Aldous Hodge, like, calls out for his sister Shonda. And I legit had a moment of, like, is Shonda going to be in this movie? (laughs) And then Matt was like, no, you're an idiot. But <laughs> well, I mean, like, that that bears the question of, like, how popular is the name Shonda? Exactly. Apparently pretty popular, but she's the only Shonda who's, like, really embedded in my consciousness, apparently. That's true. That's the only so... association I have with the name Shonda. But, like, Shonda being Shonda, like, Matt was kind of cracking a joke, which I don't think is that ludicrous, which is like, oh, yeah, maybe she was a huge fan of the original films. She wanted to be in this film. But seriously, there were so many famous people in this movie. If Shonda Rhimes had shown up, wouldn't have been that surprised. That's true. But I guess she would ha- she wouldn't maybe have her own name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that anecdote is my gift to you. Thanks. Um, okay, so what were your worst scenes? Oh, okay. When we found out that her boss was more racist than we thought. Yeah, I didn't love that. Oh, I'm glad he got his comeuppance, although that boardroom scene was like a real roller coaster because first I was like, I know this is going to go well, but I kind of have PTSD from the first time. Someone could intercept that ball. Like, we don't know. Uh, Oh, there's like a thing where they throw a ball and the person getting promoted catches it. It's really stupid. Um, But then, like, I was like, oh, man, like, so cheesy. Is she going to leave for her own agency? But then I really came around because I like the idea of her and Max Greenfield and Josh Brenner. Although I also hope they hire some more people of color at this agency. Uh, There were two Aldous Hodge things that I liked, which was after they have sex, he's like, Gatorade, I got flavors. And the other thing was when he, when she like is asking him to take her back and she's like a second chance. And he's like, it's your third chance. Yeah, I gotta say, like, I feel like the most, the least realistic part of this film, aside from the mind reading, was the (laughs) fact that this man would even go on another date with her. (laughs) And she bolted from his home after traumatizing his child, accused him of being an adulterer without giving him the option of explaining. (laughs) And then after all that, the whole charade. But the whole thing is that his son is even like shows up then because he was supposed to get dropped off at 10. And he was like, and he was like, oh, it's 10.05. And I was like, first of all, who has ever been that punctual? Second of all, who drops off a six-year-old without seeing their parent? Well, I don't know. Did our, like when our parents dropped us off to each other, did they actually? We were older than six. That's true. That's true. 
I would not just be like, all right, kid, we're here now. Your dad's not at the door. Bye. Yeah. Does a small, does a child that small have a key? I don't know. Or was the door just he like must. unlocked and he was just like so irresponsible and drunk from the night before? Oh no. Now I'm worried about all this Hodges. Their parenting. house is so nice. I'm sure he lives in like a beautiful neighborhood. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so we we like steered away from from worse, but we we've right, I, I've right. already talked about my best worst, that like horrible sex. Speaking of sex, I when she went she also sleeps with this guy who lives in her building, who we also thought might be gay, but he turned out to be straight. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. Totally forgot about him. That was also a roller coaster because first of all, he said the loft is sexier than the bedroom, which I did think was very funny. Until we saw why the loft was sexier than the bedroom. We were like, oh, the loft is literally sexier than the bedroom. It's a sex loft. <laughs> but when she came in and we saw like the African stuff, we were like, oh no. But then she went upstairs and it was BDSM and I was like, oh funny. Different issue than we thought. Yes, I too thought it was going to get fucked up and weird and racist when she was like, oh, you really like African art? And I was like, oh, oh no. This is like if you walked into a man's apartment and all he had up was like Asian stuff, you would be like, wow, I'm leaving right now. Goodbye, white man. <laughs> Besides those, um, I think my actual worst scene was was probably the wedding brawl. The wedding brawl made me kind of uncomfortable because, well, first of all, these scenes always make me uncomfortable in movies. It's so embarrassing for everyone and chaotic. But then I was a little bit like, is it extra unfortunate because they're black? Is it particularly bad when everyone starts pulling everyone's hair off? I don't know. That's one of those like things where I was like, is this a particularly bad look or is it equally dreadful as um, would white people do it? The many horrible white people scenes I've seen. No idea. Well, I guess we don't have to do like a person of color count. Yeah, I, my list is like I started to list people and then, oh, this is before I knew all this Hodges name. It just says hot bartender. What would you score this film? Maybe like a a six too high i don't know maybe like a five i would maybe give it a five out of ten okay we could go with like a five and a half yeah five and a half sports car cakes yeah it, it wasn't it it was fine you've really ruined my bit i had a whole thing where i was just gonna say sports car cakes sports car cakes over and over but i'm glad we both agree that it should be 5.5 sports car cake all right well Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to chatting again next month. Um, please follow us on our social media listed in the credits, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at, at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.